on fire for the Lord this morning? Yes. Amen. Amen. Why are we sitting down then? Huh? I said it last time. You don't have to sit down when the preacher gets up. You can shout, do whatever you want. Um, I was talking to Willie this morning. I said, you know, one thing I've been praying about this week is, is that I would be excited to preach God's Word. And I am nervous because it is a fearful thing to get up before everyone and, and, and to open God's Word. It's, it's a holy Word. It's a living Word. It, it's something that I don't take lightly. And so it's fearful. But also have excitement that God chooses to use somebody like me and you. And it's only by His power that I can get up here and preach His Word this morning. And Willie spoke something to my heart this morning. He said, you know, if we can only get across to the people, you know, that the passion that we have for the Lord because of what He's done for us. I think too many times we, we forget about where we came from. Amen? And I don't want to ever forget that. Of who... Uh, paid for my sin on the cross. And that's who I want to proclaim this morning. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus this morning. It's not about me. It's not about you making you happy. If you get mad at me, take it up with the Word of God because I'm just going to preach that. Amen? If you have your Bibles this morning, open them to um, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 17 here in a moment. We've been kind of going through the book of Acts, and as leaders in the church, we've been looking at um, what the church was like in the Scripture. It seems like when you go to churches today, um, just all around, I've been to a lot of churches growing up, I pastored another church. I'm not talking specifically about any one person or any specific church, but just as uh, churches as a whole. Um, when we gather together as the church, um, it just doesn't seem like the same thing that we see in Scripture a lot. I mean, there are some good things that go on, don't get me wrong. And I, I praise God for the men and women who serve in this church. Uh, this church is an exception to many. Uh, I've been all around, and there ain't many uh, churches like this one. And I want to praise you this morning, because not for who you are, but I see the love of Jesus in you. Okay? But I still see a disconnect here a little bit in what we see in the Scripture. And so we've been searching that out. And we've been talking about different things, and, and where we may be lacking, and what do we see in the early church that we don't see now. And So I've been kind of studying that. And it's not that we're trying to modernize the church. We're, we're trying to get back to what the church began and set out to do. We're trying to get, be, get back to what Jesus established. Okay? And we're trying to get back to that. We're trying to bring that old time, if you will, religion back to the church. I'm not talking about back old time in the 80s and the 70s. I'm talking about the men and women of the Bible who led thousands to Christ daily. That's what I want to see. And so I've been looking at where, what is the disconnect here? What are we missing? Uh, because we are the church and we're gathered here together and so it's important that we look at these things. 
And after doing some studying, and, and it's something I, I was studying this week, and, and it spoke to me uh, as being a man, and that this message is going to be more geared toward the men. Uh, so um, try not to stone me, you know, or do any of these things. Uh, but I'm going to get on you a little bit because this got on me. Um, but as I looked in... in through, through the New Testament, at the New Testament church, um, one thing I noticed, and this is not to demise women at all, but it, it, it's over and over about the men. Okay? When, when, when Jesus fed the 5,000, it, it only counted the men, and as a side note, it said, plus women and children. Okay? And, and when Jesus called the disciples, we know that some of them were married. But it doesn't mention them very often. Now this isn't demising uh, or putting down women at, at all. But here's, here's why I believe that it doesn't mention them very often. Because if you have the man come to church, you have his family behind him. Right. Not necessarily the other way around. Matter of fact, I read a, a poll this week that out of people who claim to be born again believers in, in the United States, that only 35% a professing Christian men attend church with their wives on a regular basis. So that means that 65% of the church is made up of women. Where are the men? Is that what we saw in the scripture? No, it's not, is it? Jesus said, you define me by how many, my ministry by the men that I have following me. So it's all about these men. Why, why, why is there a disconnect with men today in the church? Why do we not have the leadership like we've seen in the scripture with men? Why do we not have that today in the church? Why are the women having to be the ones who are the spiritual leaders? Now I'm not talking about men who are, you know, not providing for the family. We know what the scripture says about that. But I'm talking about men who are being real men and being the spiritual leaders of their home. That's where we have a lack in the church. We have some men bodies here who provide for their families physically, but we don't have many men who are spiritual leaders of their home, taking charge in the church and leading their family. That's where the disconnect's at. That's why I believe that if you look at the Scripture, while we're not seeing things what happened then, why we're not seeing it now, because where are the men at? When are we going to start acting like real men? Right. Amen? Amen? I want to give you a scripture, you can jot it down, you don't have to turn it there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in the King James Version, it says, he's speaking to men here, and he says, Watch ye stand fast in the faith, and it says, quit you like a man and be strong. And what that word means, quit you, means act like in today's language. So he says to men, he says, watch ye and stand fast in the faith and act like men and be strong. Act like men, start acting like men. Now I'm not talking about some sort of just macho masculinity. You know, I'm not talking about you've got to be a certain type. 
to be a man. That's not what he's talking about here. If you think back in the Old Testament, God used all sorts of different type of people. You talk about two brothers, Esau and Jacob. They were two totally different people, and God used both of them. Okay, Esau was hairy. He was a man's, you know, bearded hunter. We got a lot of them. I'm not so hairy up here, but I got a little bit right here. But he was a man's man, if we was looking at it, as a style. He was a hunter. Jacob was the opposite. Says he was smooth skinned. Okay? Uh, I heard one preacher say that Esau would have probably been on the outdoor magazine and Jacob might have been on GQ magazine. Okay, so they were two totally different type of people. We're not talking about a style to be a man. You don't have to be a hunter. You don't have to be a fisherman. You can like golf. You can like other types of sports. Not every man likes sports. Not every man likes short hair. Not every man likes long hair. Not every man likes camo. That's not what the Bible's talking about. But he's saying it's time for you to start acting like men. Men today, he says, be strong. Men today, I believe the disconnect is, is a man, as the world views and measures a man, you've got to put on this persona, this macho, you don't cry. And so we almost think that it's, it's, it's kind of a, a weak thing to do to go to church. We might come to church on Sunday mornings, but you really don't see them on Sunday evening, Wednesday, at the prayer meetings. You know, normally the prayer meetings got two old ladies that come over and over. They've come for the last 30 years. Where's the men? Because in Timothy, go check it out. In 1 Timothy, it says, Paul says that all the men should be praying, lifting up holy hands. It's the men's job. It's our job to lead the church. It's our job to lead our wives and our children and our family. Is it not? And that's not a weak thing. That's a strong thing. You know, we think again that, that it, you know, as a man, if, it, oh, well, you gotta be meek and, and we, we think that that's being weak and never having any problems with anybody. Oh, you know, just love everybody. Get along. When I see and I look in the scripture, the men that Jesus called, you know, they, they were real men. And one thing I want you to think about that I think we overlook is Jesus called real men who were doing real things. They were fishing. I like fishing. I like hunting. But I want you to think about it. One thing I'm going to give a testimony to the power of Jesus is that he got a man who was out fishing for a living. Boy, for me, that's the ultimate job. Can you imagine it's hunting season this morning? Now, if some dude walked up and you're in the sand, maybe you're guiding the hunt, and you're out there and you're camoed up and you're in your tree stand and some dude just comes strolling through the woods. He's like, hey, come on down. We're going to hunt some men. I'd shoot that dude. Man, get out of here. If you've been ever hunting in the National Forest, you might have had something like that happen. But that's the power that Jesus had. That men were willing to drop everything. Real men, manly men, manly men. They got into it. They, I mean, you know, you get men long enough together, they're going to get into some stuff. 
I mean, you know, you ever been to like church softball? You know, something like that, basketball playing, get the men out on the golf course or at the, you know, shooting. We do a bow tournament. Man, they're smack talk. They're going to get into it. In Acts chapter 15, you can go and read where Paul says he got up in the face of Peter. Now, can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine coming to church and the pastor and associate pastor in each other's face? Come on, I'm going to take it outside. Take it out. That's what these men did. They they ain't weak, man. I was telling Lane, I said, Paul must have been one bad dude because Peter chopped somebody's ear off. Peter was a hothead. He was probably pretty bad himself, and Paul got in his face. But you know what? You know what? You know what the difference is? Men fight. We're going to fight. We're going to get. We're going to get a not get along. But the difference is, is that they bowed to God's word. See, they didn't do what we do today and say, "Well, I'm just ticked off. I'm going to go start another church. I'm going to go start another denomination. I don't like what you said." No, they were real men and they bowed to the authority of God's word and they got in line with it and said, you're right, brother. And you see later on that they were one in the faith. They were preaching the same things. We're going to get have disagreements as people and as men. But a real man bows to the authority of God's word and that's what we got to get back to. I want to read you in Acts chapter 20, uh, how I believe that God measures a man. Not the world's measurement of a man, but God's measure of a man. And if you're going to be a godly man, this is what the church is lacking today, is men like the Apostle Paul. And I want you to look at his life, and let's, let's just see how yours measures up to it. I want you to look at Acts chapter 20. Verse 17, it says from Miletus, or whatever that town may be called, he sent to Ephesus, that is Paul, and called the elders of the church. So he gets the leaders of the church together. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know that from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Now, I want you to think about that. He says, you know in what manner I lived among you. See, they saw everything about Paul's life. They didn't just see Paul on Sunday morning. Later on, in I uh, believe it's in chapter 21, Paul says that he, with tears, was persuading them morning and night, day and night. Every day. They saw him every day. He was pleading with people. He was preaching the gospel daily. He lived among them. He worked. He said he provided for him and the other ones with him. He didn't mooch off of people. Physically or spiritually. He got in there and he was a man and he did what it took to lead these people. They saw the way he lived. They saw the struggles he went through. None of us have faced struggles like Paul faced. And they saw him through the good and bad. And he says, you know how I lived among you, how I kept the faith. You know the reasons I did the things that I did. When we're in church, we all put on, I wore a nice uh, 
outfit. People have been talking about it. Yeah, Nathan said I look good this morning. This is my suit, okay? But I dress up nice for that reason. We can all dress up nice. We can all look good on Sunday morning. But the ones who see us outside, okay, they know how we live. They know in the manner how we live, okay? That's what they saw Paul on an everyday basis at work everywhere. Verse 19 says, Serving the Lord with humility, with all humility. So I want you to think about this. In order to be a godly man, in order to be a manly man, you have to be a humble man. Paul was a humble man. He said he served the Lord in all humility. Now I want you to think about something for a minute. Humility is not saying that you're no good because we are bad about saying that or putting yourself down. Because that isn't what the Bible says when you come to Jesus or who you are now. You ain't no good. You're a child of the one true king. Okay, Now you are bought and purchased and you are spotless because of the blood of the Lamb. You're not no good. You were worth dying for. We've got to see that. Not for who we are, but for who He has made us. And that's Jesus and what He has did for us on the cross. Paul knew that. And that's what drove him. But he was a humble man. He was a servant. The first characteristic of a godly man was that he was a servant. A man who served others and put others above himself. Paul later on says that he stuck with one motto. And that's what the words of Jesus, he said, Bless, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's two types of people in this world. Givers and takers. One pastor said that takers eat better, but givers sleep better. I don't know about you, but I can eat all I want, but if I don't get a good night's sleep, the next day is horrific. I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a giver. I want to be like this man here. I want to be a godly man who serves others in all humility. Not out of a check mark. Not so others will look at me as a certain way or to gain something. That's the humility that Paul had. He did it because he loved them. He said he spent over three years with these people. Day and night. That was the character of a godly man. Are we doing that? Or are we just serving when it's convenient? I'm speaking to myself. I want you to look at something else. In verse 19, Paul says, Not only did he serve the Lord with all humility, but with many tears and trials. I want you to think about that. Paul... Paul was a compassionate man. Paul had compassion for the lost. Paul was a gospel preacher. And he knew, he knew what would happen to people if they died without knowing Jesus. See, we've forgotten that. You know, Willie said that this morning, in tears this morning. 
Because we know that this may be the last moment some of you walk out of here and the last chance you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and nobody wants to talk about it anymore. It's not a, a, a great thing to talk about. It's not something exciting to talk about. But if we could have compassion like this man Paul and understand and never look past the fact that if one of your loved ones, one of your children, God forbid, dies without knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I'm not talking about knowing all the nursery rhymes. I'm not talking about the religious acts that they go through and everybody just knows Jesus. We were talking to family members this week and they were talking about, the, you know, Brothers and sisters and, and, lo- and people, loved ones who were, you know, just living totally contrary to the Word of God and, and, and didn't speak anything about Jesus. And you'd ask them, well, are they saved? Well, I think so, yeah. I, they got to be. They, they've been raised in church. Raising in church don't do nothing. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit in you. We've got to stop making excuses for people and realize and tell them. Look, you're going to die and go to a devil's hell. And it's not just total separation from God. It is torment. That's, right. That's what the Bible says. In the, in the lake of fire forever. Amen. Quit trying to water it down. That's what it is. It's horrific. If we saw the one next to us today, our own children, with this compassion, and had compassion for them, understanding what they are facing, eternal judgment, just like we faced, and just like we will face if we don't know Jesus. Just because I'm up here preaching doesn't make me uh, exempt from God's judgment. The only thing that makes me exempt from God's judgment is the blood of Christ. Compassion for these people. That's why Paul did it. He was in tears. He wept. When's the last time you wept for some, for one of the lost. Last time you were on your face. Now I'm talking about men here. It's not much to see get women to come up here, and I'm not downplaying them at all. But a woman, they ain't prideful like men a lot of times, and they'll come before a crowd of people and they'll pour their heart out on the altar. But it's a pretty shameful thing when you got ten women and one man. We wonder why we're not seeing. The power of God played out in front of our eyes because God chose men to lead. Start acting like men. Be strong men. It takes a strong man to humble himself. It takes a strong man to go to somebody and say, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I acted. That's what Paul did. He said he was in tears day and night. Every day for three years. Go check it. He was in tears. I can't remember last time I shed a tear for somebody. I'm just being honest. But I want to be this way. A third thing, a third characteristic I want you to look at here. In verse 19, it says again, Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, that's compassion. He was a servant. He was compassionate. And not only that, it says that he he served with trials. Trials which happened to him. Paul had trials. 
because of the stance he took for Jesus Christ. For the word of God. Because he was unwavering. He wouldn't settle. I believe that problem with many churches and preachers today is nobody hates us. We got churches who people love and they love just give money to. Man, he's such a good guy. Not many people like these men in the Bible. Now, I'm not talking about their, their family, their church. Anybody outside of their church, they hated them. They want to kill them, and they did. Why are we not be, being hated? Is it because we live in America and that's just not how people are anymore? Or is it because we've watered down the gospel? Because the Bible says that the truth cuts to the heart of man. It separates, it divides. Truth hurts. You speak truth long enough, you preach God's word long enough, and you are going to have people hate you and despise you because Jesus said they would. They hated him and they hate you. Men, quit worrying about what people think about you and preach God's truth. That's what Paul did. Yes, problems are going to come. People are going to hate you. You're going to lose friends. All them old running buddies that you had, they're probably going to desert you for a while. But when you stick to God's Word and you preach it and you let the Holy Spirit do His work, I promise you, you're not running in vain. I promise you, God's Word will not return void because that's what the Bible says. And I'm going to stand on every word. It's time that men start standing on God's Word. Not our own opinions. Not our own comfortability. But we start being, this is how you measure a man. This is a godly man. This is a real man. You notice it ain't said nothing about his job. It ain't said nothing about his style. It ain't said anything about the car he drives or the house he lives in. It's talking about who he is inside. There's a, another one. And it's a fourth characteristic that of Paul here that I think that men <clears throat> how it measures a real man. In verse 20, look in verse 20, it says, How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and taught it to you publicly and from house to house. Not only was it about how Paul lived, but it was about the message Paul presented. Paul didn't just receive and live a good life like many will say today. Well, you know, my life is an example to others. They'll see it, and that's true in a sense. But did Paul stop there? No, he got up and he proclaimed why he was living in that manner. When's the last time you preached the gospel to somebody? I'm not talking about get up here in a church among believers. I'm guilty of that, getting up here with no problem. But to go out in public, in the workplace where people may not like what you say, where people might really hate you, might slam the door in your face, when's the last time that we've proclaimed the gospel of Christ to them people? Out there, among them. Paul says he lived among them. And he proclaimed it day and night. He wasn't silent. The Bible says... That faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. That's how people get saved. It's not just a lifestyle. 
We can act one way just to make face, just to be uh, look good among everybody, just to fit right in. Judas, he walked a walk, didn't he? Fit right in. But it's funny, we don't hear much about Judas's preaching, do we? We don't hear much about what he said. There's a couple passages there where he complained a lot. You know, he was among them and looked good, but he was behind the scenes gossiping. Men gossip too. I don't like the way he did that. Can you believe he said that? We see it in the Scripture. Paul addressed it. He said, hey, one of you are liking this guy better and you're liking this guy. He says, which one of them was crucified for you? None of them. It was only Jesus. And that's what the church is about. Jesus. That's what we got to get back to. Paul didn't hold anything back. See, Paul, it says, he didn't hold anything back that was helpful. That could mean finances. That could mean time. See, some of us, we got plenty of resources, finances. We just don't have much time. But when you throw money at something because it's easy, you might as well be throwing that money in the trash because you've done that out of, I don't even know what to say, but you know what I'm saying. God wants you to sacrifice the thing that you have the least amount of. And that's your time if you're in that area. For some of us, we have plenty of time. We don't have the money. We should give the money. Not just our time. We need to get uncomfortable. Hold nothing back. Paul didn't hold anything back. He gave it all. Physically and spiritually. That's what we're called to do as real men. Not only to others, but it starts in our home. He says that's the way he lived daily. In his home. Qualifications for leaders in the church starts out by how they run their home. Not the job they hold, the education they have, but how they run their home. How they treat their wives. How they act outside of church. Now I'm talking to real men. They held nothing back. That's the kind of men that we're lacking in the church today. Real men. There's a fifth characteristic. Verse 22 through 24. I think this may be the most important of it all. And it says, <coughs> excuse me, And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul had Holy Spirit conviction. Let me tell you something. You can put on the armor. You can read the Word. You can come to church. But if you ain't got the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, you are lost. You have no hope in this world. You'll never have what it takes to preach the gospel, to stand firm. As soon as trials come your way, you're going to crumble because it's only the power of the Holy Spirit 
that gets us through them times. Paul had conviction through the Holy Spirit. He was bound. Me and Willie talked about it this morning. He said, I've tried to sit back. I've tried to sit back and I can't. Because just like, was it Jeremiah that said, it's like a fire in my bones. I can't contain it. How can you? How can you men not come to church? Not be there with your wives leading them. How can you not be the one praying for your kids? I'm not talking about teaching a Sunday school class. I'm talking about being the one on your hands and knees before your children at night praying for their salvation. Praying for godly spouses. Praying over their mother. That you love them how Christ loved the church. Your kids see you sacrificing everything for your wife, for their mama. This hits me. I showed some of it to Lane. She said, are you listening to that? She said, did you hear this message? I said, be quiet, woman. But she's right. That's what a real man does. He doesn't sit on the couch on Sunday morning and watch the Super Bowl over coming to church. I'm not saying you can't ever miss church. Don't get me wrong. Pastor might get mad because he's gone and I'm up here preaching. I'm just saying. He's hunting. I'm preaching. Take it up with him. Hope we're recording this. But this is what men are called to do. Lead their homes. And that's what we're lacking in the church. Man, if we want to see the power of God in our churches, in our schools, in our homes, see people saved, see this, see this great state of United, or the great nation of the United States of America turn around, it starts with the men. That's where it started. That's what Jesus started was the men. That's where he started, right? We're lacking. As godly men. We're not lacking as providers. We all, a lot of us are hard workers. I don't like to work. I'm not considering myself that hard of a worker. Okay, but some of you are harder workers than I am. And we should be. The Bible says if you won't provide for your own, you're worse than an unbeliever. So we should work. Paul says he worked with his own hands. He provided for everyone else around him who was with him in the ministry. So, We shouldn't just not work. But some people are not able to work. So the ones who can work can support them. That's what the Bible says. We pass judgment on everybody who around the corner with signs and all these things. We don't know their story. Maybe they physically can't work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the men who leads who leads others, leads our families. You know, I want you to think about it with this conviction. I listened to Adrian Rogers this week and he, he quoted something that I want to quote to you about the Apostle Paul and his Holy Spirit conviction. He said, Paul would rather have died with a conviction than to live with a compromise. And that's the problem with men today. We're living with compromise. We're compromising our families. We're compromising our marriage, our children, 
our homes. And Satan has crept his way up even into the church. You know, what's crazy is after this, Paul departs and, and he's talking. He says, I know after I'm gone. See, after the real men are gone. He says this is going to happen. Then wolves are going to creep in. And that's where we're at today. That's where we're at today. Wolves in sheep's clothing have creeped in among us. They've gotten in our family and they're on our television. They're on our internet. They're on our cell phones. Man, it's your job. There ain't no reason why your kids, being 8, 9, 10 years old, have cell phones, for one. And if they do, they got passwords on them. I don't think so. You don't have any privacy, children, unless you're paying rent. And it's the dad's job, not the mom's job. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of kids going crazy and I want to watch TV and I make Lane spank them. It ain't the woman's job to spank the kids. It's the man's job. It ain't the woman's job to lead the prayer group. It's a man's job. Now, I ain't demising women at all here. But it's the man's job. He, built, he made Adam first. And it's Adam's fault, not Eve's fault. Adam should have been the man. Stepped in there and stopped it. Stop blaming your wives. Stop blaming uh, the church for, well, you know, I just don't like the style of music. This is why it's not happening because so-and-so's leading and I don't like him. We need to get a better preacher. Start with you, man. Be a man. Start leading and let's see where God, what God does with it. You watch, you watch a, a revival happen here in your homes and around this country. If men would stand up and take a stand for God's word. Men like the Apostle Paul. Who was willing to die before he ever compromised one word that Jesus ever spoke. One word in the scripture. Paul and these other apostles, they gave their life without ever compromising. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit conviction in them. It's the most important thing. And I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you walk out of here, it's plain. The Bible's plain. It's not what I say. It's not what anybody else says. And you die... You have no hope. There's no second chances. There's no, there's no talking your way out of it. There's no uh, way you can work out of, of which other religions will tell you where you can work your way out. Jesus tells of a story of two died. One went to Abraham's bosom, one went to hell. And he says, there ain't no way out. There's a great gulf fixed in, in between. And there, you ain't no, he can't go from one place to the other. You're there for eternity. Wait in final judgment to be cast into the lake of fire. That's the only reason I get up here and preach this morning. Because I have conviction. I have compassion for you. Because I was once there. And I don't want to ever forget that. I don't want to go to Jesus and meet my Lord and Savior empty handed. Paul says here in chapter 20. On down in verse 28. Uh, well, let's go back up to 26. He says, Therefore I testify to you 
This day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. What did he mean by that? He said, I gave everything I have. I get, I, I, every opportunity that came my way, I gave it my all. I held nothing back. And so I'm innocent from the blood of all men. And what he's saying is when I meet Jesus, he's not going to look at me and say, why'd you skip out on that opportunity? Why'd you stay home? And watch that football game. Why did you choose to go to work to make that extra money that you really didn't need, but you wanted that bass boat, you wanted that new rifle, you wanted that uh, new four-wheeler, and you skipped out on church that day. And I had sent somebody there for you to preach the gospel to, and you missed that opportunity. Their blood is on your hands. That's what this is saying. Think about it. I mean, just use common sense about it. If... If your children or your child got deathly sick and it was a, a disease that nobody knew about, it was this doctor came up with a prescription and, and you got it from him and you give it to your child and they made a mar- remarkable recovery and they were healed and they were better than were before and there was a cure for that disease and then an epidemic broke out. And all of these kids, all of these people were getting sick with the same disease. And they were all facing death. And you just sat back and held it. And you didn't say anything. You didn't tell them the name of the doctor. You didn't give them the prescription. You didn't give them nothing. You just kept it for your own family. And they all died. Would their blood not be on your hands? That's what Paul's saying. I don't want to be that man who missed out on the opportunity and goes to Jesus with blood-stained hands. Now I want you to think about that as men. We need men. Now I'm going to close with this. We need men who will take guard of their family. He says in 1 Corinthians 16, I read you earlier, watch ye. Watch what your children are watching on TV, on YouTube, on the cartoons, because they slip it right in. One thing is all it takes for somebody to see to change the course of history, to change their lives. Images, I don't know about you, but I know things that I've seen that I have tried to forget that in times of trials and trouble, they pop back up. One bad, filthy song that you heard, you can remember every word of it. And you can't hardly remember anything that the worship man's singing. I'm there. I can sing every country song, 80's rock song. I know every word. I don't know hardly any Christian song. It's just the way Satan uses music. He uses television. He uses everything. The Bible says watch. You know, the Bible says that God disciplines who He loves. Sometimes we got to discipline our family. They're going to not like, sometimes they ain't going to like you for it. Stopping it and say, hey, no more internet. No more cell phones. I don't care if you're cool or not. No more of this. No more of that. That's our man. That's a man's job. That's what he says to do. Watch ye therefore. Stand guard. We need men like the Apostle Paul who will stand unwavering for God's word. Not compromising. Be willing to get in the face of the most religious, highest man there if he compromises God's word. 
Let me tell you something. I know Randall Reeves with all my heart. I know him. I know Willie. I know the leaders of this church. And I know these men. They spend hours on their face. They spend hours in the Word of God to present the truth. But if any one of us was ever make a mistake, we would want somebody to come and say, correct us. We don't want to ever stand up here and preach something contrary to the Scripture. It's your job as a church to keep us accountable. And that's what Paul did. That's what men did. They got, they got up there and said, look, you're going to correct this because this ain't right. We got to change our opinions. We got to change all this. We got to align it. That's what a real man does. Line his life with the Word of God. Take a stand for it. So I'm going to ask you, are you willing to take up your cross, men, and follow Jesus? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you popularity with your family. It's going to, you're going to be hated. If you ain't, something's wrong. Apostle Paul was hated. Peter was hated. All of these other men was hated. Most of them all lost their lives. Are you willing to take up your cross to count the cost, what it's going to cost to truly follow Jesus? If you want to see the church in the New Testament, the church through Acts, through the end of the New Testament, if you want to see that again in this church, that's where we got to start. We got to count the cost. We got to pick up our cross and follow Jesus as men. And it starts by you this morning. I'm going to ask you this morning, are you willing to be a real man and humble yourself and come down here and pray? Many of us will say, and there ain't nothing special about it, many of us will say, oh, you can do it right there where you're at, and you can. But let me tell you something, and this goes for you who don't know Jesus. You can get saved right where you're at, but if you're not willing to walk an aisle, if you're not willing to get up and stand for Jesus, I seriously doubt that you truly have salvation. If you're not willing to get up and shout it, because that's what happened at transformations when people met Jesus. They hit their face or they jumped and shouted afterwards. They stood for God's Word. They didn't just turn and live the same life. It wasn't true transformation. It wasn't a true born-again believer. Nowhere in the Scripture will you find anyone who goes back and lives the same type of lifestyle after they meet Jesus. They lived one way and they made a complete opposite direct turn direction. That's repentance, turning. Paul says his message was repentance and faith in Jesus. That's where it starts with men. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you stand with me, are you willing to be a real man and humble yourself? Lead your family. It starts with you this morning. Don't just smile. Amen. Put it into action. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for using us, God. I just... Lord, I thank you that you even hear our prayers, Lord. God, I just pray that that your word would go out among these people, Lord. That the Holy Spirit, Lord, would draw them, Lord, that you would that they would have to make a decision today if they don't know you. Lord Jesus, that you would be honored and glorified, Lord. We don't have much to offer, Lord. We can't give you what you deserve, but we can give you our all. 
And I pray that we would be these men, these mighty men, these real men. 